RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. We talked to Dr. Michael Johnston back on the 12th of September, Senior Fellow at the New Zealand Initiative, and we were talking about New Zealand's declining literacy rates. And um, Dr. Johnston is back with us again at RCR. Dr. Johnston, welcome back to our radio station. Nice to have you again. Thank you, Paul. Nice to be here. Okay, so remind us just quickly what we were dealing with in terms of what numeracy literary stats or test stats last yep. time we chatted. Well, what we're looking at is the um, the trials of some new standards for NCEA in reading, writing, and um, and numeracy, and we saw some fairly shocking data out of the trials the first time around. There were a couple of trials last year, and in one of them, only a third of our 14, 15-year-olds were able to meet a basic standard of adult writing. And, only uh, a third. Okay, a just third. let that sink yeah. in, folks. Only a third. Yeah. Right. That's right. And we're not talking about the sort of writing that would be adequate to complete a university degree or anything like that. Just just basic writing uh, for functioning really in society and and reading was uh, about double that at two-thirds but it's still not terribly high and and the numeracy was somewhere in between and those numbers moved around a little bit when they did the uh the second tranche of trials so the the writing came up a little bit um but yep. i think the reading slipped back a little bit so the, the things moved around a bit but um it's uh, it's interesting to see how the things change over time when really uh well actually not over much time and um right. the, it's hard to see that actually the teaching and learning has changed in the interim okay um we've just had a change of government and i suppose it's easy to pin this on you know whoever's been in power but it seems that this oh, yeah. th this kind of um pattern of what do we call it, failure or lessening achievement? I don't know how you yeah. want to describe it. Has actually been going on quite a bit longer than that. Am I right? Oh, that's certainly true, yeah. I, I mean, you, you, you cannot pin this on one side of politics or the other, but part, part, party governments of both um, main parties have presided over a decline in, in academic standards, especially in literacy, uh, also numeracy, over the last 20 years or so. And we've, we see it in all the international data every time... Uh, a PISA round comes along or, or some of the other international tests we see New Zealand do just a little bit more poorly than it did the time before. And that's been very consistent over a couple of decades now. So it's been the method or the approach yeah. to education over a long period of time that has delivered this. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few factors there. Part of it is the way teachers are trained to teach Um reading, writing, and numeracy. Uh, the research evidence are really clear on what works in literacy. It's a structured approach to literacy, which begins with uh, the mapping between spelling and sound, sometimes called phonics. Uh, and it goes from there into other structured approaches as kids get more fluent. Uh, but really what's at the heart of this is understanding the way the human brain learns because whenever we're confronted with something new there is a propensity to overwhelm our short-term memory with too much information it has a uh, a limited capacity and it decays quickly so things have to be relegated to long-term memory systematically in order to be built upon 
and we have to be really careful to do that so that the foundations are solid enough uh, to so that kids can take the next step. And th that pertains to literacy and to numeracy. So in numeracy, there are other problems too. A lot of primary school teachers uh, fear and loathe mathematics themselves. That, that was clear in a report out of the Royal Society a few years ago from a panel chaired by Professor Gavin Martin, who's a mathematician. And really, too, too many of our primary school teachers struggle with some of the mathematics themselves that they're trying to teach their kids. Uh, and, and certainly, that relatively few of them teach it with any great enthusiasm. So we really need to address that in teacher training and prepare our, our teachers much more for the classroom. I certainly don't mean to bash teachers here. It's not their fault. They're, they need to be prepared adequately. That, that's the problem. I think the National Party in the run-up to the election and what they were saying about uh, their education policy, I'm sure it's just bigger than this, but they were going back to you know, the uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, the three R's, right? Uh, seriously. I've spoken to a few teachers uh, in the meantime who said, okay, that's okay, but that's too sort of binary as well. Well, I'm not sure that uh, that that the intention is to ignore other curriculum areas, but I would say that especially without being able to read and write well, you're closing the door to the broader curriculum when they're when they're at high school, right? If, if it, a young person can't read and write adequately by the time they're thirteen, and yep. they're studying history and geography and science and these other things, where reading and writing and and a degree of numeracy are important to be able to actually access that that level of thinking and and uh, and the, to take on board the knowledge, uh, then. You're yep. actually narrowing their opportunities. So, so I'd say that, yes, you, you, of course, the curriculum is much bigger than literacy and numeracy. I think it was a concern that there might be a fixation just on testing and, and you know, sort of preparing people basically to be able to be useful worker units rather than sort of more well-rounded. I think well, that was really... Two, there are two different things there. I, I certainly wouldn't want us to see education in a completely instrumental way where it's all just about preparing people for the workforce. Naturally, it's important that young people be employable. That's a, a oh, of component course. Yep. of well-being, but it's not everything. And, and our education system should be about preparing people for adulthood and, and all its uh, all its glory. So that means being able to be creative and think critically and all of those good things. But th those things depend on knowledge, and acquiring knowledge depends to a degree on, on being sufficiently literate. So I, I think... Really, it's not. It's a false dichotomy to say that if we focus too much on literacy, it means that we're not focusing enough on other things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So when we talked last time, you know, those figures—I can't remember the exact figures—but they weren't good. And no. there does seem to, and over since 2021, 2022, some improvements. Um, yep. How do we know that those improvements? are real is there enough data behind them for someone like you to kind of be able to unpack it and see what what's yeah happening? not at the moment so um I, I intend to get in touch with the ministry and ask them for some more detail interestingly last year they had two trials published and that both of those were well evaluated there were large reports on each one of them that gave details of the the samples and how the characteristics of all the kids that 
sat the tests and uh, breakdowns of the results by sex and ethnicity and different socioeconomic levels and all of that. None of that is there this time. We, we just have the, the raw figures. Uh, so I am a little skeptical uh, until I know more about the way the sample was put together. Uh, for example, if the sample had more, uh, greater weighting towards uh, schools in higher socioeconomic brackets, then that would explain an improvement without there having really been an improvement, if you see what I mean. So, yeah. Yep. And, and I, I think really a year is too little time to expect a massive improvement. Uh, this is a long-term game. And we the, the problem goes right back to the beginning of primary school. We're, we're testing 15-year-olds, 14, 15-year-olds here. So I think it's important that uh, we really address the problem at root, which is the way in which these things are taught at primary school. And I don't believe there'll be any really solid shifts until we do that. And then they flow through the system. Because these latest stats um, show quite an improvement. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if 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 the data that you would want to see, the, the sort of higher resolution data, um, yeah. show that these figures stacked up, that's quite an achievement, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... What is it, Ebb and Flow? That's why I'm suspicious, because, it, yeah. I mean, I've seen other data to show that, by and large, kids, regrettably, don't make a lot of progress, especially in literacy and reading and writing, between the time they start high school and the, and the time they're sitting in CEA. So I'm not discounting the possibility that the high schools have put in an immense effort with some of the struggling kids and got them up to scratch, but... Um, yeah, can Until we really I do that? see those the, the, the breakdown of the sample, and also the details of the of the assessment itself, uh, whether that's changed in some way. Uh, so we'd, it'd be good to see some psychometric details of the, the the items that were used in the tests and so on to see whether there's been a uh, a bit of a shift in the difficulty of the the assessments. Uh, I'm not saying I know any of this. I, I'm not saying that this is what's happened. I, yeah. I'm. I'm just a, li a little suspicious because it seems say, unlikely that you can make that those that sorts big, of gains in such a short difference. time. Uh, yeah, because that right. would take a mammoth effort to even shift and, the and dial the, slightly. The question is that if they can do it uh, in a year between last year and this year, then why didn't they do it before? <laughs> yeah, something doesn't quite stack up, perhaps, because yeah. we're looking at uh, increases, you know, of uh, 10, 15 percent in some. Areas of achievement, which is yeah, you know, that, that's right, astronomical, yeah. really. So I strongly suspect that there's an issue with the sample. That's my guess, but until I see the data, it's hard to comment uh, definitively. Assuming there's like a, a modified approach to um, education and to you know turning this super tanker around, yeah. Um, how, how long do you think it, it will take? Because it kind of feels like there's a almost a lost generation. I, I think, regrettably, it's true that there is. Right. I, uh, I, I was a lecturer at the university until early last year, and certainly the kids coming in, I mean, some of them wrote very well, but the writing standard on average was pretty poor. Um, this is yeah. a kid that got UE. So if you're talking about other kids who maybe haven't got UE and are going into trades training or other things, that 
I don't think the picture is very good at all. And I think we have, uh, unfortunately, almost betrayed a generation of young people with the way in which they've been taught at primary school. And again, not the teacher's fault. The, the, the problem is much more central than that. The, the Ministry of Education has kind of stopped its ears to the evidence for a long time. Now, I think it's changing. Um, and to your question of how long it will take to turn it around, well, unfortunately, a while because, you know, a kid starts school at five. So Erica Stanford, who uh, is National's education spokesperson and may well be our next Minister of Education, uh, has promised a structured literacy approach will be embedded. Now, say that takes a couple of years to really get it, get in place, which it will, because you've got to retrain all the teachers. Uh, that's going to be no mean effort. You've got to get all the professional development providers you can find and throw them at the schools. And then the kids will flow through the system. And if we start teaching our five and six-year-olds well, then by the time they get to high school, they'll be well prepared. But I think we also have to focus on the kids who are still at school uh, in the upper primary school or even early secondary school who haven't been given the right approach in terms of teaching these key areas and give them some special help because otherwise you're actually allowing the failure to continue for too long. So what you're talking about there is a huge remedial effort, yep, probably like I we've am. never had before. And it's actually remedial for the teachers too because oh dear. they well, because they haven't been given the adequate training. Again, it's not their fault. They, they've done, by and large, university postgraduate courses, uh, some undergraduate courses for primary teaching, and with a, a very few exceptions, they haven't been taught to teach in a structured way. And the amount of time, just the sheer amount of time is very minimal spent on things like the instruction of reading and and, uh, and numeracy in our teacher education courses. So it's remediation for the teachers and for the for the kids who have missed out. I don't want to sit here and sound arrogant, but um, what you're all we're talking about, but what you're describing there, to me is just kind of common sense. Yep. You know, and I just wonder how, I'm sure I'm not the only one asking this question, how, how it came... To be such a there to be such a departure from common sense. Well, regrettably, common sense isn't that common. Uh, you know what I mean. And and ideology yeah. trumps it very easily. And there's no doubt that there has been ideology involved in. Is it like a capture? There's been an ideological. Yeah, capture I think you could you, you could say that. So you may have heard the term reading wars, like the, the the ideological conflict over it has been so intense that some people likened it to war obviously not with real violence but certainly yeah. with real vehemence and and real aggression in some cases uh and really it's between what you might call a, a cognitive approach to education which has been on the back foot for for a number of decades that's the science of learning that takes into account the properties of human memory and attention and human language and so on the difference between oral language and literacy, because there's a big difference. Oral language is a biological function for human beings. We all acquire it, every culture, every just about every person, unless they have some very unfortunate congenital brain problem, they, they will learn to speak as long as language is spoken around them, effortlessly, seemingly, as anyone who's brought up a, a child will know. Literacy is a technology 
yeah. it's only been around for 3,000 years or so and uh, widespread only for a couple of hundred. So it's got to be taught and taught systematically. It's, it won't be acquired in the same way as oral language. And the social constructivist approach has been to treat it too much as if it was like oral language and would be picked up if you give people, young people, texts and books to read. They'll learn, they'll figure it out. Well, no, they won't. It's got, there's a code there and it has to be taught explicitly. I mean, I was in primary school over 50 years ago now and it worked. It yeah. worked. We, yeah. we came out reading, yeah. you know, times tables could do maths to pretty sophisticated level considering our age yeah. and, and writing. And, you know, we could all do perfectly formed letters, capitals, well, you know, it worked. How, what do you need to know? Well, I think the, the the way it went was from about the 1970s on, there was an increasing feeling, and it was well-intentioned enough that it's a bit boring to have to rote-learn all those timetables and rote-learn. Yeah, but you forget about that. I never felt well, like it was boring. I couldn't even remember it now. Well, my, my rejoinder to people who say that is that what's boring is not making progress, is, is being stuck and, and not learning. That's boring. Yeah. So actually... And, and times tables needn't be boring. You can turn it into a game. You can turn it into a little bit of a competition, whatever, and, and the kids will enjoy it. So that's that's the art of teaching. There's, there's a science to teaching, which is knowing about all those things, about how learning works and how the human brain works and memory and attention and all those kinds of things. But there's also an art and a craft, which is how to make it accessible and enjoyable. So the structure to me is not... Uh, all about straight rows in the classroom with kids sitting silently and listening to a teacher lecturing them. If the structure is actually in the the way the teacher understands the material and presents it to the kids so that they learn it layer by layer solidly before they progress. And that if you have that in place, the, the kids will be motivated because they feel like they're learning and there's nothing more motiv motivating than that. Given there's been this change of government, there is a, well, I guess, articulated policy that we've heard about that presumably will be implemented. For someone like you, who's obviously lives and breathes this, what what do you expect to see and how quickly do you expect to see it if you're to give it credibility? Well, I think uh, both national and ACT have uh, quite well-developed education policies. They they gel pretty well. I don't see a great deal of disagreement between them. The, the ACT policy focuses a bit more on the structure of the school system itself and uh, some of the problems there, whereas the national policy is perhaps more tightly focused on the, the literacy and numeracy issues. But I, I don't see any uh, reason to think that they need to disagree with one another too much about what to do. Uh, there are political problems to solve. I, I mean, part of it is, is the, the Ministry of Education is a very large and unwieldy organisation. I think it's presided over a great deal of educational failure. I mean, they should be the ones giving the, the sound advice to the ministers, and yet they've been promulgating pretty ineffective approaches to teaching for a long time now. And there's a political divide too, isn't there? Let's... let's yeah, there is. I, I mean, I, I think... The, the teacher unions won't necessarily agree with all of the things that the the new minister will want to do. So there may be some some tension there, and, and perhaps even an industrial conflict over it. Uh, 
So the, the, the new minister will have to have a fair bit of uh, courage and determination to get to get done what needs to be done. Uh, and if he or she, she or he um, does have that, then I think we could get some progress quickly. But really, it's more important to embed it deeply and, and to change the culture of, of teaching and the culture in many schools to be much more geared towards structure and making sure that the kids who need it most are getting the uh, the help they need. Because, you know, in the end, the structured approach benefits most those kids from disadvantaged backgrounds because those from better-off families, you know, they're more likely to have parents who notice that they're not learning to read or whatever it is and either teach them themselves and have the ability to do that or maybe can hire a private tutor or things like that. So actually the structured approach is what we need if we want to address the inequality in our system. Circling back to where we started. So, okay, these new set of statistics are out now and they look better than the last ones that we talked about a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. Are you hopeful? Are you going to make any effort to get that 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 data that underpins these results so you can i am yeah i've just, I've just been yep. away for a few days I'm, I'm intending to write to the ministry this afternoon and ask for the uh for the breakdowns and the details of the sample and so on so yeah when i when i get those i'll, I'll be writing about it and maybe we could talk about those that when you when you get that info and oh, it'd be good to clarify sure we can. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know yeah i don't know how quickly they'll, they'll <laughs> there's a it's a lot going down at the moment i'm sure yeah Okay, Dr. Michael Johnston, Senior Fellow and Head of Education New Zealand Initiative. Thanks for coming back on. Always interesting to chat with you. It's a great pleasure, Paul. Cheers. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.